me vas a poner el nuevo mix de... Why we speaking Spanish, Fonzie? Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> It's because of our guest, you know. We were talking Spanish with him, so I hadn't flipped the switch. A simple question that too many people don't do. Where are you in the buying process? One of the biggest things that I learned from Wall Street, which is like you have to diversify your risk when you're investing. Because a lot of people think sales is an art, but it's really a science that you can structure to get the best outcome in the fastest and most precise way to solve for that. My actual point to you is go ask for some feedback on the thing, mm -hmm. learn mm -hmm. and listen, and then that will translate into a potential opportunity for you. A hundred percent. You have to figure out what's called your fractional go to market. You have to come up with the hypothesis of what are you excellent at? And that's for the yeah. fractional worker. For the company, it's like, what type of problem are you solving? Today has been wait, awesome. Wait, wait, wait. I know we got to... Have gotta, you seen the clock? I know, I know. <laughs> I, know we, I know we got to wrap up here a second, but... We've got some fresh hey, new I'm Luis. And this so is Luis. And welcome to the Content before. is Profit podcast. In here, you're going to get the insights, accountability, and drive to create consistently and increase revenue. You'll hear from top entrepreneurs, creators, and anything and everything you need to know about content. All this while having a good time. The goal to this podcast is simple. Entertain, educate, and turn your content into profit. School time, baby. I like the kiddos. Hey, just saying. <laughs> My four-year-old starts VPK next week. That's exciting. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm very emotional. I know, full circle time. He's actually going to VPK where we used to go <laughs> and coach soccer and where we learn patience. The, yeah, yeah, well, I learned patience with you a long time before <laughs> that. But anyways, uh, I'm super stoked for today. I mean, the guys that yep. we have today, we've been binge listening his show and completely addicted. So we'll talk about that in just a second. I but think I got two more episodes on the queue that I need to listen this know. week. Bro, you're slacking. I know. You're slacking. I know. I'm slacking. I'm slacking. But besides that, anything that he did before that, everything that he did before the show is incredible. In, in, is incredible. I mean, incredible. what he did before, what he's doing now, what he's going to do in the future, <laughs> man, this guy is is awesome. And he's really cool. You know, I had the, the pleasure to connect with him before we jump on the podcast. And I can tell you he has that big homie energy bro he's like a homeboy <laughs> he's like he's gonna be part of the crew i'm telling you but anyway so uh guys if you're enjoying this show please go ahead and follow it in your favorite mm. podcasting platform and on social media at base rosco daily clips are coming out with incredible value what we call golden boulders that is so be right. sure you don't miss any of those that is right golden boulders just like golden nuggets but way bigger <laughs> <laughs> that's like the tagline you gotta say it every time we did a shirt last okay. that okay. guys if today's guest help you move one step closer towards your goal please don't forget to share this episode and of course don't forget to leave a five-star review that's right so legendary episode coming through we met today's guest through our new friend and immediate contents profit favorite diego betancourt that is right he's a total baller that has worked with three unicorns aka one billion in valuation and now helps b2b companies scale through his fractional sales leader company quota.io That's right. What are you reading? Because I am not reading the same well, I'm going to read your thing. <laughs> He has worked with 45 B2B SaaS companies across the U.S. and South America and has helped them generate over $137 million in net sales. That I know. Juicy, juicy. That is incredible. We have the kids cheering in the background. That's right. Total badass. <laughs> Please, we brought him here today. So he can teach my brother yes. how to close some deals. Hey. Please welcome <laughs> the sales unicorn himself, Javier <laughs> Ramirez. <laughs> <laughs> What up, bro? <laughs> 
Yo, guys, this is so fun. I'm happy to be here. This is just so fun. What, what's happening? Hey, hey, you know, that, get, that's it. That's the podcast. That's We've got. Yeah. yeah. Thanks that's for having me, guys. Me. Yeah. yeah. Dude, can, can we, we do this every Friday? Uh, hey, hype hey. up Friday. Okay. Hype up Friday. Well, we, have, we, we had, uh, maybe we, we should bring it back, Tropic Thunder Thursdays. Tropic Thunder Thursdays. And, uh, yeah. yeah, that was like a theme Ooh. podcast. Shout out to Catherine Jones. We launched it with her. I know, that was pretty uh, good. And uh, it was awesome. We just bring like a uh, guest previously on the show. It was something very tactical, very specific. Yeah. Tropic Thunder Thursdays. May, maybe we have to yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah, I know you talk about playbooks, <laughs> you know. We're going we're gonna to be discussing that here in a little bit. So maybe we can bring that for Tropic Thunder Thursday. But before that, Javier, why don't you share a little bit just, you know, for those that don't know you yet, because, you know, they will get to know you quite a bit after today's episode. Why don't you share a little bit of your background, you know, and how do you get into sales? Well, um, thank you. I, I'm from Puerto Rico, so that's where a lot of uh, the energy, charisma, um, and, and, and sort of vibe comes from. So I'll start there. Um, I left Puerto Rico in 2006 and I went to search for the American dream uh, into the United States. And I, I did it in a very unique way because I, I wanted to create sort of a, a good business uh, foundation. And what I did was I went to school for finance uh, in Boston, which was way too cold for my taste. Uh, but it was very, very fun uh, for any of those that are listening that may be considering going to college in a fun place. They, they didn't have any empanadas in there? No empanadas, man. It was tough to find. <laughs> so, like, I got homesick. But anyway, different story. Um, yeah. I, I, that led me to start my career in Wall Street. So I, I chose mm -hmm. Wall Street again to develop a good business acumen, good analytical, you know, kind of perspective. Uh, but after doing it for four years, I, I realized, man, this is, this is too structured for my taste. I need to yeah. be in an environment where I can, you know, change the structure, do things more creatively and get more profit, uh, which obviously is the name of your guys' uh, or part of the name of your guys' show. So um, I brought my talent to Silicon Valley and whether it was because of good timing or because I made the right decisions, I ended up uh, going to a company that went from zero to a million or to $100 million in revenue in two and a half years. And that wow. company essentially got a, a unicorn valuation, uh, which means that they ha are worth more than a billion dollars. That company was Zenefits. It was worth $4.5 billion. And I got really addicted to this type of growth and experience and amazing, you know, kind of team building. Um, and, and I realized I, I landed where I wanted to be. And so the rest of my career was sort of chasing that adrenaline rush and going to two other companies rippling and then we work uh which had a very similar growth trajectory and and so you know I, I found my footing i found something that sort of matches my energy and my charisma and in 2020 i realized man there are so many people that want this playbook everyone wants to become a unicorn in tech everyone wants to grow and i realized i had that in my experience but not a lot of people did so that's yeah. when i decided to start quota which is the name of my business which i'm sure we'll talk about yeah yeah absolutely man that is so cool um also i see you got some guitars there in the back so just be aware that maybe at the end you know we're gonna ask you to play that song that you're collabing with bad bunny oh uh, sure at the moment you know yeah, me yeah. queda un por ciento 
<laughs> Let's go. F- Fonzie went through a stage where he ended up buying like three guitars. Two, two of them are in my kids' rooms, like collecting dust. So you know, I, I, yeah. I don't understand. I, I have two guitars and I and I know two chords. You know, yeah, you so do. I'm okay, two man. for two. Okay, I can so, I can so, teach you a third one by the way if you want. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Awesome. Okay, bonus bonus content. You know, guys, go to the community contents profit on Facebook. And the just the only the, the only fans I can count. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Javier, dude, uh, obviously very impressive, right? You yeah. summarize like a, a bunch of years there, and I'm sure there's so many lessons, right? And, uh, you know, my startup experience doesn't even compare to your startup experience, but mm-hmm. I can definitely relate to the adrenaline rush, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm in Jacksonville, Florida. Maybe environment is obviously a, a big a big thing, like when you went to school, where you decided to go work, right? But I, I remember my, my internship right out of college was with this company that was setting up an event called OneSpark. And it was mm-hmm. uh, 300 businesses pitching their ideas to mm-hmm. the community and people voting on an app mm-hmm. on the street. And this was like a week-long festival. Mm-hmm. We had about 300,000 people in here. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was set up as a startup, right? And uh, we had investor money right behind it. And I remember I was part of that team, that production team that put it together. And I remember the adrenaline rush was like it kept me coming back and I mm. didn't know how long I was working. I didn't, I didn't care how long it was. I didn't care how physically taxing it was. And I was just doing it every single day. And I remember feeling how you described, you were mm-hmm. like, man, like this is awesome. I found my space. Right. And eventually, you know, that, that didn't work out. I went to other uh, things and then we ended up starting biz bros and, and growing the media company that we have now. Nice. And every day I think it, it's, it's that mix of like, wow, we're creating something new. It's very exciting for our show that we've mentioned this a lot, but here's, here's my challenge, right? Like we, we chase that adrenaline, right? Mm-hmm. And then you mm-hmm. obviously founding quota, your own company, mm-hmm. there's processes and the key is consistency, repetition, making sure like the, the, the processes are followed by, by our team. How do you personally manage that, thirst i guess from that adrenaline of the new I'm like this is my space because for me it was like this is what i'm supposed to do i'm gonna go start my own thing you know i don't know what i don't know i'll find out like this is exciting to me versus now that the company is running but you have to balance that with like okay how do we lead people how do we you know inspire our team how do we keep stuff consistent uh i'm curious like how do you manage that transition with your company I love that question because I think it's one where I can answer in a way of, of telling you it takes time, right? And I don't want to be too broad, but there's a lot of context switching when you're running a business, right? At one point, you're doing sales for yourself. At a different point, you're you know running your P&L. At a different point, you're building the new website or you're building something else. And when you have the energy that I have, you have to self you know, kind of control yourself to say, I need to organize. Um, and I'm trying to look at it in my desk. Actually, that's how wrong this should be. But I have a productivity <laughs> journal. Um, and that productivity journal really is what keeps me focused. You know, I, I learned throughout my career, um, you know, I've been working for uh, 14 years now. So um or, or longer than that, but that you have to be organized and sort of like I, I do everything in sprints. So from 12 to 1, I'm doing, you know, kind of a podcast with you guys. From 1 to 2, I have a client meeting. And what I try to do, which, again, this is a work in progress because I am the type of guy that's like, squirrel, you know, and you lose your attention (laughs) and and whatnot. But 
you have to give it your all in that focused period of time. And what I try to you know, teach people when they're running sales, when they're doing sales themselves, is to find uh, a system that works well for you in the same way that I've sort of, yeah. it's taken me years, but to have the maximum output during that period of time and then you know, sort of prepare yourself to change uh, your context and go into the next task. I mean, there's there's many more other secrets. I think the underlying secret that I've just mentioned is is obviously self awareness. To that, I know myself enough where I know how I operate and and I know how I need to organize my day, um, in order for me to give the best for the different tasks that I'm working at at different points in time. If that makes no, absolutely. That sounds like a like a skill of itself, you know. And I wanna just kind of like back a little bit and make like a little pre-frame I feel like for today's episode you know because obviously when we introduced you we said you know you work with companies that have reached a billion like you know unicorn status mm -hmm. right a billion dollar valuation and I think that can disconnect a lot of people and they can be like well wow that's so that looks so unattainable mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. especially the the type of audience that we have on the podcast you know I'm sure somebody in there eventually might, might reach un unicorn yeah. status or they're already but, unicorns or they're already unicorns right the, the wiseness yeah <laughs> but you know we, we mostly address the people that have you know me, uh, small medium-sized businesses uh, somebody maybe some solopreneurs mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. people just like you're right that have a, a fractional type of business mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I want to preframe this as You know, you went to Wall Street to learn kind of like those principles mm -hmm. about business. Mm -hmm. And I want to frame today's conversation around those principles of selling mm -hmm. that people can use to, you know, move one step closer to their goal. Mm -hmm. And eventually, hopefully, you know, those principles are going to help them to reach, you know, whatever goal it is that they have set up. Mm -hmm. So that being said, let's start. I want to, you know. I want to give you the opportunity here to share some hashtag golden boulders, just like golden nuggets, just way bigger, <laughs> right? About some principles of selling that you've might have learned in your time in Silicon Valley yep. that now you're applying in your own organization. Yeah. So listen, I, I, want, I want to take the example that you gave me and sort of marry it together, right? So when you talk about Wall Street, you, you talk about finance, right? Understanding the profit and loss of any company, understanding if a company is worth, you know, a, a particular valuation or not, right? So when we go into a selling process, you have to think about business. And that's what a lot of people don't do, right? And when you, when you think about and care about somebody else's business, you formulate the right questions, And that's one of the biggest foundations for sales that I want to start talking about because there's a massive misconception where people think that the sellers that are most successful are the ones that talk the most and it's the complete opposite. So if I am knowing or interested in learning more about your business and I can ask the right questions, I am probably going to gain your trust. And if I can gain your trust, I am going to be able to you know, create enough of a relationship where you are going to want to do business with me. That is a principle that is as basic as, you know, any company that's selling a product that's $500, $1,000 or $1,500. So I, I, a lot of what I do and a lot of what I teach is the best practices that these companies utilize are, are very simple and can be replicated across for any type of business environment. The difference is that a lot of this skill in aggregate with the right velocity and with the right amount of talent 
gets replicated and builds an enormous momentum that eventually gets you to a billion dollar valuation. But I'm not saying that you can't do that at a smaller scale, because if you think about somebody else's business first, you ask the right questions and then you tell them about your product or your business with their needs in mind, you already had. And that's something that a lot of people don't do. Mm. I I love it. I mean, at the end of the day, when we talk in in the platform sense, right, that's podcasting and different things. And, you know, we've done probably more than 400 conversations at, at the moment, right? And it's been incredible because we feel like we develop a really good relationship with the person on the other yeah. side of the mm-hmm. screen, right? Mm-hmm. Or here in the studio. Mm-hmm. And it's because a lot of questions, right? As you're like distilling this, right? It's like, it's so clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why a platform like this, and we mentioned this concept many times, right? It's your pipeline platform. It's like, there's somebody that you want to work with at some point that you want opportunity, explore opportunities with. Mm-hmm. This is the best way to build that trust and report. Uh, on top of already creating content and increasing your authority and relevancy and trust, right? Mm-hmm. And then you you plug that in into your sales process, right? Which at the end of the day is like listening to somebody else's problems mm-hmm. uh, and probably offering a solution mm-hmm. in whatever form that is. Mm-hmm. It's incredible, simple to understand, mm-hmm. right? Um, do you remember your first like sales experience, like your sales moment where you were like, man, I got it. Like for me, it was iconic, <laughs> like that our first like biz rose sale uh, to a restaurant, right? Do you remember that moment? And you're like, man, like, do you feel like this is what I need to do? <laughs> um, so, so I've I've had a couple of experiences, but before I share that, I I want to give you guys an example of how you guys have gained my trust. Um, I talked to Fonsi for maybe like 20 minutes and uh, Fonsi just made an incredible introduction based off like the research that you guys have conducted. That already tells me like you guys did your homework, right? And when you show up to a call and when you show up to a business conversation, having done your homework, you already are a step ahead. So that's another thing I wanted to share. In, in, in tech, you call it pre-call research. Um, a lot of sellers yeah. don't do that. They don't prepare ahead of, of, of you know, time to get ready for a call, but that's something that you guys definitely did that I wanted to share with the audience because it's something that gets you into a better situation when you're going to ask for the deal. For me, um, going to your question, there are certain moments in my sales career that I've, uh, or let's call it like professional or life career that I realized this is what I want to do. Um, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. My mother was in sales. Um, so this is an environment that I'm very comfortable in, which is one thing that when I realize how comfortable am I, you know, kind of talking to people and, and transacting that, that sort of like, uh, tells me something, right? Because yeah. I've been in environments where I haven't been comfortable in finance mm. through internships in situations where I'm sitting behind a computer, uh, you know, crunching numbers and I realize. I'm not comfortable. This is not what I like. This is not what I enjoy. I'm not showing my personality. I'm not showing my real energy. And that sort of made me realize like, that's not it. Right. And then I can tell you about the situations where I have felt very good. For example, when I, when I was in Boston, um, in college, I started doing apartment rentals. So um, in, in Boston, there's a big community of students that comes in and September 1st is sort of like that key catalyst date that everyone signs their lease. And I remember I started working for this real estate um, firm in July and I knew there was like some urgency and I started showing apartments. And back in the day, you would just go and post uh, the, the apartment um, offerings in Craigslist. People would contact you based off your ad and then you would go and show it to them. 
And within like the first month, I was on the top of the leaderboard. For, I've never done this in my life. I've, you know, suddenly like just, I, I didn't have a car. I would rent zip cars at that point in time. And I would, <laughs> I would pick people up and I would be like, hey, let me show you this apartment. This is actually a story I've never shared publicly very often. <laughs> but when I, when I realized, man, within like a couple of weeks, I was at the top of the leaderboard. I was like, I'm doing something right. <laughs> and so that was like one of the, re the, the first times, but then I ignored it because I went into an analyst position in wall street and I was, I, it helped me, you know, kind of learn through the analytical environment. But I always also told myself, I know this is not forever. I know this is going to help me in the yeah. future. And it has because the analytical background and the business acumen that I have has helped me close large deals yeah. in, deep into the multi-million dollars that had I not had that experience, I wouldn't have been able to do it. So I hope that answers your question. Awesome. I, I think that you hit an important point in there, which was you told yourself, I think I'm doing something right in here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I related in a way to part of our story because then you're like, and then I moved on to the next thing, you know, and that often happens. We were actually did, you know, this 45 live challenge where we would go live for 45 days in a row. Day 17, we closed like, the biggest deal we had at that moment, right? Nice. And we're like, wow, this worked. And then we moved on to the next thing, right? And yeah. instead of like doing more of this, the same or even reflecting on why was it that this worked? And you do obviously seem to have a good level of self-awareness right now. But would you say back then that you had that level of self-awareness, you know, analytical mindset about yourself too? Because I think it's not only important to, sure, learn the principles, but also reflect on what you're doing, right? Like when you create a piece of content, go back, read it or listen to it and say, oh, what did I do good here? Why did I do wrong? What can I improve, right? A lot of the times we just go, go, go. And then we just move on to the next thing with no real reflection and then no real lessons, right? I mean, that's why in sales, it's very common to review the sales conversations, yeah. which, you know, guilty. I never do, <laughs> right? And I, I probably need to. You know, it's like, hey, right? uh, do you record the, the, the sale call that you just had? I'm like, yeah, it's right there on Riverside. Yeah, yeah. Go, you, go listen like, to it. Yeah. By, by the way, the, yeah. the, just so you know, by the way, the, the way that he shared, like, how, like, the 45 Dive experience happened, it was, like, total, like, you know, we're sitting on this table and we reflect. It didn't happen that way. We are actually sitting on a table yeah. at an event. We were forced to reflect upon okay. that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We're sitting uh, like uh, after uh, after event thing presentation, and one of the people that we follow at the time that we considered like our online like mentors in, in a, that ended up being, being a client down the road, which is great. But this guy's there, like, and it's like, what are you doing for business? Uh, it was kind of giving advice to every single one, and we're telling the story of the, the 45 Live, the biggest contract, whatever. And they're like, so you guys continue to do that, right? Mm -hmm. And it, there were like 15 people in the in the same table that were like, you know, with respect, and we're like, ah. Yep. Uh, no, we didn't. Mm -hmm. And he's like, huh, go do it again. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> no. so you know, that translates to you. What I wanted to ask was like, what are some of the things that you look up, like you look into when you're kind of like reflecting on those actions, right? On sales or even your content now that you're pretty big on that right now. Yeah. And, and listen, there, there, are, there are like seven things. I had to write some down because um, I, I want to <laughs> share like 20 things at this point. Um, There, there's, there's one thing that's self-trust, right? So you have, you have to believe in yourself and I think in any sort of capacity and, and in the, in the other side of the equation, I'll tell you, um, the biggest dream killer is self-doubt. So like a lot of people will doubt themselves, which will affect, you know, kind of yeah. their, their consistency. But, um, 
when I talk about consistency, you know, I, I can't be naive in saying like, I've been here for three weeks. If we use the real estate example, um, how do I keep this up? Right. So, and, and that sort of made me stop and say, okay, I need to figure something out. I need to come up with a strategy, which is what I do for a lot of businesses today is how do I create replicability or repeatability? Right. And in order for you to do that, you need to figure out what did you do right? Because a lot of salespeople, what they'll do is they start a new company, they get lucky, they have the right energy, they have the right belief in themselves. You know, they say the right things, they get successful, and then they stop. And they don't realize what was working for them. And then they get into what's called a sales slump. And getting out of a sales slump is really tough, right? Because like you start telling yourself, I can't do it. I, I, I don't have it. You know, I can't close. Um, and getting out of a sales slump is is actually easier than what a lot of people expect. If you kind of like put together a, a system or a playbook that you can repeat and, and build, which again is something that I also, you know, help, help companies do. But when I do that period of reflection, I realize, well, listen, I'm posting the Craigslist ads at these times. That's when people see them the most. I am going to see or show apartments uh, over the weekends. That's when people want to shop for apartments. I am asking the right questions. There was one thing that I learned early in my career, which is to understand where people are in the buying process. So every single time I would ask someone, how many apartments have you seen? Right. And if they're telling me like, this is the first apartment that I've seen, I always knew that that wasn't going to be a close because people, unless they see the apartment that they completely fall in love with, which is attributed probably to luck. They want to do a proper due diligence process, which is what most people do when they're buying software or they're buying any tool for their business, right? And, and that's a simple question that too many people don't do. Where are you in the buying process? Yeah. You know, have you, have you fell in love with another competitor and you're just doing the due diligence? Well, I need to know that because at that point I am option B and I need to get to option yeah. A. So, you know, that already sort of started to tell me like, I need, this is my playbook. These are the questions that work for me. And it becomes a system. You repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Interesting. And I I love the word again. We, I I mentioned this earlier, the word playbook, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I, I do want to dive a little bit into that. Um, But I just, I find this so curious, right? Because it is challenging. Like, Honestly, the name of the game, I feel like, is consistency. 100%. I, like, find the right actions to repeat over, over a long period of time and be consistent. Mm-hmm. It's so challenging, mm-hmm. right? And we talked about context switching at the beginning, too, mm-hmm. right? But it's so challenging for, I feel like, most mm-hmm. people to be consistent with one thing over a long mm-hmm. period of time. And we, we say this with content. Consistency is art, mm-hmm. right? And art is an acronym for authority, relevancy, and trust, right? Of course, we use that in the context of content, but I think it's still the same for sales, mm-hmm. any other activity process that you need to establish inside mm-hmm. of your business. Yep. So, you, yeah, no, let, let, let me add something, because if I were to rebrand your podcast, I would call it consistency is profit based off what we just said, right? So, <laughs> but, 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 but the reality of the situation is that people only look at what they do, you know, kind of from a work perspective, but you also have to pay attention to what you do outside of your work perspective. So, for example, yeah. sales is such a performance driven discipline that requires you to bring everything and be in your best state every time you come to perform. 
So what does that mean? Mm. If you go have beers with your friends on Thursday night, you're probably not going to perform on Fridays, right? If you don't sleep enough, then you're not going to perform and you're not going to ask the right questions because it takes you more energy to actually, you know, get into that consistent state. So the times that yeah. I've been most successful in my career have been boring times. And I'll explain what mm. boring, which is what sometimes people think about routine is what actually gets you that consistency, which eventually gets you the profit, which eventually makes you yeah. the top performer. So I recall, you know, from the times that I was working at these like multi-billion dollar companies, Monday through Friday, no drinking, going to bed at the same time, waking up, going to the gym, doing the same thing. But when you start getting the results from, you know, that routine, you get addicted to it. You're like, there's no other reason why I should like not be sleeping or drinking during the week yeah. or not, you know, taking care of myself when I work in a profession that is so performance driven. Now, listen, it's easier yeah. said than done because now we're talking about lifestyles and everyone has their own lifestyle and everyone has, you know, their own belief, extracurricular activities and all of those types of things. But it makes such a huge impact in your performance across all disciplines. Yeah, I mm. absolutely love this comparison, right? Because I'm going in my mind, I'm, you know, um, our past was soccer. Our dream was to go play professional soccer. I thought, was, I thought you were going to say our past was ravers. And <laughs> Man, <laughs> I, did work, I did work for Red Bull for quite a while. So, um, yeah, there was a lot of late nights. But uh before that right it, it was one of the 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 promoter girls that used to go did to you go. drive the mini uh, well i was I, <laughs> I my position we we will uh we will run their their wings they call the wings teams, okay right? okay so we had about 10 girls in the, in the city and we will manage them and help them and provide resources and we were selling right we were selling on premise of premise we, we would go to the clubs and we were not allowed to touch the mini but there was one time that two of them are like, hey, Luis, we're going to go to the beach. And the beach is about 40 minutes from the city to some like uh, beach clubs down there. And we're going to deliver a ton of cans. Are you free? And I'm like, I don't care if I wasn't free. I'm going. <laughs> Let's all go. And I was like, hey, hey, can I, can I drive the, the Mini all the way to the beach? So you drove they it. never found out, but I did drive the Mini. I drove the Mini. Amazing. Super spanked, fun. Spanked the lawsuit from <laughs> Red yeah, Bull. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's like, what? But yes, it's, it's one of my, you know, triumphant moments. By the way, first time I shared that story too. But Exclusive. Uh, exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I it's the same thing, right? You want to be a professional player. You have mm -hmm. to perform, right? You have to take care of your body mm -hmm. and some things. And, and this has been a very eye-opening mm -hmm. to me because it's really the first time when you said it, I'm like, oh, it makes mm -hmm. so much sense, right? Yeah. And of course, our lives outside of the studio or outside of work can get, you know, pretty hectic. And for me today, right, I have a four-year-old, I have a one-year-old, there's my wife, there's mm -hmm. family, there's stuff that happens outside mm -hmm. of it that sometimes is not under our mm -hmm. control, mm -hmm. right? The the kid is sick or whatever, you have to like go, get out of the office, get, get them early. And to me personally, that has been one of the things that I've been working really hard on this year is to... How, do, how am I aware of those situations and don't let it affect my performance mm -hmm. uh, whenever I'm delivering content, whenever I'm on calls, whenever I'm educating, whenever I'm with my team, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes we crash, mm -hmm. right? It's, mm -hmm. it's inevitable, right? As we grow with this process. But it's interesting because you brought that into my perspective. And we talk with the people in our challenges and, and our community about the high-level mm -hmm. moments, right? We, we ran this 45 Live. I think it was season three or season mm -hmm. four with 100 people mm -hmm. in it. 
And uh, we would do these check-ins at the end of the day. We're like, hey, have you published your mm -hmm. video today? And these are small businesses, small creators that are trying to get their message mm -hmm. consistent mm -hmm. out, right? And it's accountability. Mm -hmm. And everybody's like at 11 at night posting their video because the rule was before midnight, right? And about day 10, day 15, we have to tell them repeatedly, and be like, guys, find your high energy moment mm -hmm. in your day. But when do you feel the mm -hmm. best, right? When can you perform? Mm -hmm. Because we're not creating with that intention. And then it's part of the sales process at the end of the day. The second you put your message out to the mm -hmm. world, that sales process is starting right there. Somebody's going to look at mm -hmm. that message. They're going to be somewhere in, your, in, in their buyer's mm -hmm. journey, right? And then they're going to be able to reach out. So you do have to perform. So I want to bring awareness mm -hmm. to this. Every single person that's creating, totally understand. You might be running two, two businesses. Mm -hmm. You might be working on one, running your own, working late at night. But be very aware mm -hmm. of that day. So. Dude, thank you so much for bringing that awareness. Yeah, yeah. It, it, massive golden boulder for me. Yeah. No, I, and I think, listen, I'll, I'll say it, uh, and, and sorry to hijack the agenda here, but let's talk about discipline and content Let's because um, <laughs> I think what you're talking about is discipline, right? And 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 for me, this is why when I historically have hired salespeople into my team, uh, there's, there's a reason why uh, athletes perform well in sales because they have a very very uh you know healthy discipline they know that repeatability that they know they have to practice they know you know you have to be ready for the show or for for the match and in that case if i bring this to sales and then we'll bring it to content in sales you have to practice man like you have to be good at it yeah. you have to you know uh pitch it to somebody else you have to you know review the tape and then when it's showtime when it's time to go out there and compete which sales is a very competitive discipline it's like you put in all this work, you know, which is through your lifestyle, through the practice that you put in. It's showtime now. Let me get on the call and make sure I get the close or I move it in, in the right direction with the right momentum. Yeah. The same discipline yeah. I've started to develop um, with content, right? So content is, is one of the biggest um, top of the funnel um, sort of like activities that drive business for us at Quota. And what I started to do is really apply all these lessons that I've had throughout my career to say like, these are the better times to post. Um, I know people are getting flooded with content. It's busy out there. So I need to be consistent in order to stay relevant, right? And I need to post in the channels where my buyers spend most of their time. So where do my buyers yeah. spend time? On LinkedIn and Twitter, right? And so like, that's how I made that decision. And I'm giving you golden nuggets or however you call them, but um, because uh, boulders, boulders, boulders uh, you got to get it right. You gotta, gotta get it right. <laughs> it's my first time, man. So, <laughs> so, so, you know, when I see people talking about content and a good distribution strategy or a content strategy, I see a lot of people saying like, all right, I'm just going to tell everyone in the world that I'm excellent at, at sales, but I'm going to go into Facebook. Dude, my audience in Facebook is my mom and all her 72-year-old friends, like just making sure that I'm smiling in my pictures, right? They're not going to buy a single sales course or like a consulting engagement that's six figures from me. So like it's, it's I'm doing myself, a, a, you know, disfavor by like posting in the channel that's not relevant to my uh, audience. And so like yeah. it takes yeah. time for me to realize like here's where my audience lives. Here's who needs to actually hear my message. And I need to be there at the top of their feed every day at 930. And I need yeah. to create a system that works for me. Some people write in the morning and that's fine while, while they're having coffee. Other people wake up Sunday mornings and say, 
I'm going to talk about this topic this week and I'm going to break it down into five posts and I'm going to automate that and I'm going to go on with my week and whatever, whatever choice yeah. is yours, find what works. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, sorry, Fonzie, I'm hugging the mic here, but uh, I mean, you're right. Right. And then th there's a gap and, and I will, my next question is to maybe bridge that gap for the people that are listening, but for us, for example, when we found consistency was through the show. Before that was three years of trying, starting, stopping. We don't really know where the thing is. And for us, a, a big uh, element to be consistent was finding the way of creation that was the easiest mm -hmm. for us to mm -hmm. go execute. So we'd like, if we remove the friction from that creation process, we can be consistent. And then mm -hmm. it has evolved mm -hmm. quite a bit, right? Like we ran the show for 420 episodes without a producer. Now we have a producer, right? So great. You know, shout out to Mava right here behind the, behind the cameras. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's like, how do you find that creation moment for us was that. And then obviously the micro content that goes out, we call it the yeah. safety net content. But then there's another layer that nobody talks about, which is, you know, that intention layer, right? Fonzie feels very comfortable in Twitter, right? He's going to be in there, right? I feel comfortable with video, for example. So to me, the platform that I found a lot of connection has been Instagram, right? So uh, also like, how do you, how do you mix your method of creation to like where your mm -hmm. audience is? And then my question to you is like, how do you find that gap, right? You say it took me years mm -hmm. to find that, right? There's some people listening today that might be like, man, mm -hmm. I don't have years, right? I need to like cash in tomorrow. And, uh, you know, the answer that we say, like, we'll start a podcast, talk to your dream customer, dream partnership, and then mm -hmm. propose some, an opportunity. Perfect. But on your case, how, how can we bridge mm -hmm. that gap, right? Between not having, a, not knowing where my audience is or mm -hmm. my buyer, right? Mm -hmm. In this case, to okay. knowing that. So uh, I'm going to answer the question in a, in a little bit of a different context. So when you tell me that you don't have years, that's the first thing that I'm trying to solve for. Right. So if somebody doesn't have years or months or, or, you know, whatever their financial situation or business situation is, I'm going to be very honest and I'm going to tell you that you have to go and do direct selling. So what does that mean? Pick up the phone, send people a message and try to get in front of people as much as possible. The reason I like direct selling, which people use, you know, alternatively as outbound or prospecting or, you know, kind of cold calling is because that's the only discipline within, you know, kind of getting clients that you have direct control over, right? Um, content, I think, um, takes a little bit of time to build and to build, you know, kind of that brand. And I think that you, you have a lot of companies nowadays that I've worked with that have actually done direct selling, you know, have been successful. And then what they do is they take that information, they bring it to the content side and say like, hey, listen, here are all the companies that I'm working with and this is how they can be successful. Um, and then they continue to do that in a repetitive, you know, kind of fashion with a lot of discipline and consistency. And after a period of time, they've established a brand. So then you go and continue, you continue to do the direct selling as you're doing the content production. And what you end up getting is a much better result because when people get that message from you, they say, I've seen you before. Where have I seen you before? Yeah. Dude, all over LinkedIn, right? If I, if I message someone yeah. on LinkedIn today, they're going to be like, I've seen this guy. You know, I, I, I didn't have that yeah. back in the day, but I had an experience in a background that people could say like, man, this guy has been some places. So like, I, I want to, you know, I want to talk to them. I want to be interested in them, which brings me on a tangent, but to a related topic, which is like, make sure your social media profiles like represent the best version of yourself which is like, you have a good bio, you have a good, you know, kind of profile picture, you have a good story in there. 
So if people come to your profile, they yeah. know what you're about. If you go to my profile on LinkedIn, you probably know like I'm a fractional B2B SaaS sales leader helping, you know, kind of companies do this and that. Right. And I have like a nice picture. Yeah. I have a yeah. background and all that stuff. So what I'm trying to say to answer your question and going through this entire loop that I just went through is if you don't have weeks or if you don't have time, you need to find a strategy that matches that urgency. And that's not content in my personal opinion. Like, I don't think you're going to start posting on Instagram yeah. tomorrow and start getting inb inbound leads immediately. You can do it. Yeah. I've, I've been able to do it myself, but I've already have an established audience and I have like a different profile, which is a, a different story. But you have to be consistent and you have to be patient. And what I guess is like the golden boulder or nugget is that you have to do both. <laughs> right? Diversifying yeah. your outreach, diversifying your top of the funnel is one of the biggest things that I learned from Wall Street, which is like, you have to diversify your risk when you're investing. And we're talking about risk here too, right? Because what your risk is like, if you don't do the right things, or if you don't land in, the, in front of the right person, you're out of business, right? So I'm going to diversify my approach and try to find every angle possible that I can get myself into a situation where somebody wants to pay me for my service or my product. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I love what you mentioned. there, kind of like matching the strategy to the time frame and the urgency, mm -hmm. right? I think people really don't, don't think that yeah. that much about it. And, you know, I think a lot of people outsource their thinking and they see somebody <laughs> talking about a certain strategy in which they don't know what was the time frame, what was the urgency, what was the context on which that strategy was shared. And then they go like, oh, let me try this. And then mm -hmm. it doesn't work. And of course it doesn't work because your circumstances are totally yeah. different than the other person's circumstances mm -hmm. yeah. that they develop that strategy, right? And I think that's a good kind of like segue into playbooks, right? Which I've been kind of like <laughs> testing a little bit. Yeah. And just teasing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm like, let's talk, let's yeah. talk about this. Yeah. So, you know, I, I heard on your episode with, with Diego, right? In the the first, I think, Spanish podcast from the HubSpot Podcast mm -hmm. Network, the Cero Astien, right? And, uh, yeah, they, they, these guys are amazing. Yeah, Studio claps. That's the highest praise. That's the highest praise. Oh, that's right. That's right. And, um, <laughs> you know, you, you mentioned on that episode that you couldn't really, like, you learned your lesson because you try to help some people outside mm -hmm. of your niche, right? Like, you help usually mm -hmm. SaaS companies, mm -hmm. right? Software mm -hmm. as a service companies. And you try to help somebody outside that mm -hmm. industry, and mm -hmm. it didn't work out. And you're like, All right, I'm going to mm -hmm. stick to my lane because the playbook that I've had, the playbook mm -hmm. that I developed is specific to mm -hmm. this industry, to a certain avatar, right? Again, yeah. you know your ideal customer profile, your ICP, and you stick with yep. that. Now, a lot of people that we've talked to and that we deal with, we hear all the time, find your avatar for your ideal customer, mm -hmm. all these things. But at the same time, they don't really think about the mm -hmm. playbook, right? How do I actually put a playbook for my own mm -hmm. business? So I... I want to hear from you a mm -hmm. little bit first. How would you define mm -hmm. a playbook? And then how can somebody maybe look at their circumstances and what are the first steps to start developing their own playbook? You know, besides actually calling you and working with you, right? What are yeah. those other so, steps? So, I mean, listen, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm kidding. 
Uh, but <laughs> no, go ahead, bro. Yeah, no, Shameless yeah. plug. Let's oh, go. Let's go. Javier Ramirez Lugo. Yeah, but no, no. Listen, man. <laughs> let, let, let's talk about. I'm glad you bring this up because there's a big misconception uh, when people think about playbooks. For some reason, they think about scripts. Right. And the playbook is not a script. Mm -hmm. The script is like a robotic way for you to sell and do things. A playbook is a guiding strategy for you to support your hypothesis and have success. Right. So when we talk about a hypothesis, mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say is that like people generally start a company to solve a particular problem. Now, if you yeah. think about that problem, what a lot of people do in the early days is like, I think everybody has this problem and that's too vague, right? So like it, it's, it's, you have to niche down in some somewhat of the same strategy, strategy, sorry, that you use for content to get to the right ear. So for example, there are some companies that have a sales problem, right? And so those companies that have a sales problem may think that their problem is because they can't fill their top of the funnel, which means that they can't prospect or they don't know how to bring enough leads into their you know, pipeline. And while some other companies have a problem for closing, right? So like they, they bring the leads, they now start pitching the product and they can't close it. But what you realize is that if you go to that company, you have to know that that's the right company that has the problem that you're trying to solve in order for you to be effective. Because if you go to a company and you tell them, I think you have this problem and I am going to solve it for you and it's not the right problem, you've eroded all the trust possible and you lost your opportunity to transact with them. Right. So in, in the early days, what people try to do is to validate their hypothesis by saying like, okay, I build this product because I think I can help you with your sales problem, which is specific to closing, right? And I want to validate that by going to you and asking you for your feedback, right? Everybody likes to give yeah. their feedback. And it's sort of like a subtle way for you to show up to somebody and say like, hey, listen, man, you know, I built this company, you know, and I think that, you know, it, it has some legs, but I want to put you in a position of power And I want to pat your own back and give you the opportunity to give me your perspective. And when people start giving you their feedback yeah. and you realize, oh, cool, actually, you know what? This person actually has a problem that I can solve. And that's when you turn around and sell them the product. So that, that, that process of developing sort of like your go-to-market strategy, which is just a fancy way to say, like, who's the right person that I can solve somebody's problem for? But through what channels, which we yeah. already talked about, am I going to get in front of them? Right. And, and, and so, yeah, sorry to interrupt. That's, that's a playbook. That's a no, playbook. Right. That's, also. that's, that's like, uh, there is a scientific way because a lot of people think art is a, or, or sales is an art, but it's really a science, right. That you can structure, uh, to get the best outcome in the fastest and most precise way to solve for that. And once you solve for that and you talk to enough people that you realize, man, like I am right about my hypothesis, then you speed up. And you start doing more of it and you add volume and you add more people and you start, you know, getting, trying to replicate the same results. And that's when the flywheel, as people like to call it, starts moving in the right direction. Yeah. Dude, I, I love it. And I love how passionate <laughs> you are about all the, the, the process and, and the art and science of, of sales. And when you were telling this story, it goes back to, again, our first 45 live. When was it? Maybe three and a half years ago, almost four, where 
um, we were like putting this mm -hmm. daily content, right? And we decided to do a very simple mm -hmm. framework, right? In my case was, I'm going to choose something that I learned today or something that mm -hmm. happened in my day today. I'm going to share that story and then I'm going to relate it somehow with the business. And at the time, we didn't have the service that we have now, right? We didn't have the studio. Uh, we were starting, we were producing some kind of content, but it wasn't as structured as this. And I remember it's like, how do we actually find the people that we're going to help, right? As we were producing this content. And I, I can't remember what day exactly. I think this was like round two or whatever. But we, mm -hmm. we put a post that said, we're looking mm -hmm. for five people uh, to ask for feedback on what we're planning to there do. There you go. And we jumped on 20, 20 calls. It was, we're looking for five. We jumped on 20 calls. And those 20 calls gave us enough feedback to do the first version of the product that we still sell today. And it was an incredible experience, right? So looking back, I'm like, man, it just, it took us like three and a half years to get to that point to publish and do, go do that ask mm -hmm. for feedback. So I encourage everybody, if you're listening today, awesome, thank you. But my actual point to you is go ask mm -hmm. for some mm -hmm. feedback on the thing, learn and listen, and then that will translate into a potential opportunity for you. Yeah, 100%. yeah, no, I I agree. Listen, you know the the way that I that I try to tell people, you know, what I do is like I, I help people think, right? And and I didn't I don't mean to say this in a condescending way or any sorts, but like because I've had so much exposure to different companies, like for you that that was. Uh, a very well thought out, you know, kind of process. And then if you would have continued to do this, your next step would have been like, check, I have validation. Now I'm going to go to sell. Yeah. But in order for me to replicate myself, which is what every founder problem becomes, you need to start bringing more salespeople. But you can't just tell a salesperson, yeah. call someone and tell them this. That's not how salespeople learn. So yeah. that playbook eventually ends up becoming the enablement materials or just like it's a fancy way of saying your training materials, right? And you're going to be more effective yeah. if you have that documented. So when you bring someone into your team and say like, I need to go from founder-led sales, which is when the founder is the only one doing selling, to a sales-led growth model, which is like when now I have a sales team that's leading the growth of my business. I need to give them, you know, the operating manual so they have a guide, not a script, a guide on where to say, mm. here's how I'm going to talk about the product. Here's the questions that I need to ask. Here's a good structure. Here's how I drive to next steps. And here's how I, you know, sell my product or like, uh, you know, negotiate the price. Yeah. yeah. I love that you said guide mm -hmm. over script because I have that challenge all the time. Uh, mm -hmm. Not challenge. We've, we've had that discussion mm -hmm. in the past, but with content, right? Because, you know, of course, there's a lot of mm -hmm. creativity in a sense that go into, you know, some of the edits for content and whatnot. And, of course, if you want to have probably a faster turnaround, you know, <laughs> uh, you might need a, some mm -hmm. sort of processes. And I feel like when you have all this process delineating exactly what to do, you know, kind of like a, a script, right? If they say this, you do that, right? I feel like it limits mm -hmm. the creativity mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's full potential. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, then you got to balance. Okay, well, if I just give you full range of creativity, it might take you three weeks to have this ready when we need it mm -hmm. in, let's say, mm -hmm. a week, right? So I think that it's it's a good challenge. And I like the fact that mm -hmm. you said a guide, right? Because I think that is... Mm -hmm. Again, the playbook, yep. it's a roadmap, right? With certain mm -hmm. constraints 
but at the same time, the right amount mm -hmm. of freedom for you know your salespeople to act in the best interest yep. of the purpose. So yeah, and, and, and let me add something to that because this is really important. So. Uh, what what a lot of people fail at doing, and now we're getting into like a, a management capacity. Um, you have to expose to people their best skills. Some people don't know this, right? And when you give them a guide, what you allow them to do is to operate and, and know that they have to solve for a specific outcome, right? In sales, it's very black and white. You need to um, sell a million dollars a year. And how you get that is that if you have, you know, your deals are worth $25,000, then you need to figure out how many deals you got to close on a month to month basis to get to your number, right? But what you don't want to do is to limit their potential. And a lot of managers, how they limit their potential is by saying, okay, I need you to make a thousand cold calls. What if that person sucks cold calling? But what if that person is 1% on LinkedIn? 1% being like, this person is outstanding at prospecting on LinkedIn, but I'm limiting his potential because I'm forcing that person that's not good on the phone to actually go to LinkedIn and prospect when actually what I need to do is expose them to the fact that they're incredible at LinkedIn. So do more of that. Do more of what works. And you guys asked me a question that I realized I didn't answer from earlier, which is like, how do I do that for myself when I produce content? So I love the cameras. I mean, I'm telling you that right now. I love being on videos and I love to share my energy and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, the cameras love you too. Thank the you. cameras love you too, yeah. man. Ours, ours yeah. is winking right now. It's like, oh boy. Yeah, yeah. So so in reality, man, like I, I realize like people can learn from Javi from like a post that I, I, I think yeah. I'm a decent writer, you know, and I can be consistent and I can have my yeah. discipline. But when I show this passion, you know, people can't see that through writing, right? So one of the things that I've started to do yeah. recently is video, right? And, 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 and that is sort of going back to understanding yourself. And if you don't have a good manager that can actually expose what you're excellent at, I think that's an inside job that you have to do for your own benefit because you're going to go so much faster when you know what you're great at. And, and, and so that's, I wanted yeah. to make that point because... You know, there are limiting factors that people will hold, you know, performance back just because they don't let people do the right things to get the right results. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Dude, Javi, today has been wait, awesome. Wait, wait, wait. I know, we gotta, <laughs> I know, I know, okay. I, I know, I know we got to wrap up here a second, but, you know, I, I have a, I came in with one question in mind that I was, I was curious, honestly, to ask you about. Uh, before I ask that question, though, right, like, Yep. We talked about the playbook, right? Kind of like this guide uh, that somebody can use in a mm -hmm. scientific way, right? After having their hypothesis on how can they grow mm -hmm. their business, right? And they put together this strategy. What will be step one of creating this playbook, right? For that person that is listening right now, is it creating mm -hmm. the hypothesis? Is it creating some mm -hmm. sort of the constraints mm -hmm. around the strategy? What yeah, I think, um, and, and by the way, I'm creating a guide because I want to share this with more people. Um, a, a lot of people are trying to Perfect. do what I do. So instead of being a full-time employee, they want to become a fractional worker where they give a fraction of their time to different companies. And the first thing that I've actually written down as part of this guide is that you have to figure out what's called your fraction go to market. And it's the same application for a business, mm -hmm. right? You have to come up with the hypothesis of what are you excellent at? And that's for the fractional worker. For the company, yeah. it's like, what type of problem are you solving? Right? And then this, the sub layer to that 
is two things which are very basic to a go-to-market, but it's the ideal customer profile, which is really the company, and then the buyer persona, which is the person with that problem. So let me explain the difference. The ideal customer profile is, let's say that I sell, for example, uh, to companies that have 10 million in revenue, um, that are B2B SaaS, that are located in the United States or Latin America, right? So those three components are the things that I need to know in order for me to narrow down how I find the people that I want to go talk to, right? So for anyone that, let's say, they build a product to you know, solve any type of business problem, they need to figure out you know, what company I'm solving, what size of the company is really important because I know that usually a company that generates 10 million in revenue in B2B SaaS tends to have anywhere between like one to 300 employees, depending on, on where they are. So that's, yeah. that also gives me an understanding of like the size of the, the, the problem or the, the situation that I'm going to get myself in because selling into a, a 100 person company is very different than selling into a 300 person company. Right. And then of course, yeah. when I know that's B2B SaaS, I know it's tech. I know it's forward thinking. I know it's a company that's probably visible online. I can probably find access to them, which is very different than if you're selling a product to a company that does uh, landscaping, right? Those companies are probably not going to be online. It's going to be a little bit harder to get to. And then the second layer outside of the ideal customer profile is the buyer persona, which is who within that organization is going to be the person that is having the most pain and can benefit from my product or services. In my case, it's two. Yeah. It's the CEO or it's the VP of sales. And within that, I also need to know how long has that person been in the company? The CEO probably founded the company. The VP of sales might have been there for a short period of time. And if they've been there for a short period of time, because my experience, but I'll share with the public, I know that someone that has just got into the company may not have a lot of belief or let's say trust from the rest of the executive team in terms of making decisions. So you have to keep that in mind. And they may be coming in with new ideas and wants to change things around because they are, they're brought in to make a difference, right? And so if I can position myself correctly to go to that person with that in mind and say like, listen, I can help you grow sales. You're probably new, you know, you help me understand. Are you trying to move things around? Are you trying to increase the number? Like, how can I help you? That already puts me in a much better situation because this guy knows that he can trust me and that he can partner with me for me to like be his, let's say, second person in command to help them like get faster to their goal. So again, if I know those two things, ideal customer profile, buyer persona for the problem that I'm trying to solve, I'm going to be likely more successful in getting to that person with the right message and through the right channel, which is what a lot of what we talked about. Yeah. Oh, That's awesome. awesome. Playbook way, 101. Yes. <laughs> and by the way, uh, when you have it ready, send it over so we can put the link all, all right below in, uh, in YouTube and everything. Yeah. So, you know, you get a ton of people. You're helping a ton of people. I'm telling you, <laughs> hey, I said in the intro, right? We brought you here so you can teach my brother <laughs> how to close some more deals. But I'll say you've accomplished that 100%. I've, I've, I've stayed away from any kind of competition charts because, uh, you know, he's not Ooh. even going to be in the chart. I'm like, Dude, but <laughs> closed. I like the, I like the competitiveness. I like the competitiveness. Yeah, yeah. 
You like yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the beef in here. Hashtag pick a bro. It's an active competition. We're going to ask you. Yeah, we're going to ask you at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the podcast, which one's your favorite brother. But no pressure. Now, Javi, uh, the, the question I wanted to ask. And no, you, it's okay. not the question. No, that was not the question. And you can Javi, ask. It's tricky. But Javi, no, if you need to go, go. Okay? Cause I fi it, fire I away. I'm building by the hour. Just, <laughs> you can you can you can uh, answer this you as get... fast as you can you know we we come into mm -hmm. the entrepreneurial world through mostly an organization called mm -hmm. uh, click funnels i'll say uh, mo mostly into mm -hmm. the online entrepreneurial world mm -hmm. and you might have heard of them right we got a lot of our ed education about marketing and sales with them and they do mostly one mm -hmm. to many sales and what we've talked about today mostly mm -hmm. has been direct sales, right? Like that one-on-one -on -one aspect of things, which I feel is like the mm -hmm. realm where you move in still with, you know, with your fractional business. But I'm curious on your thoughts on selling one-to-many. What are your thoughts on, you know, uh, selling through mm -hmm. webinars, uh, maybe do mm -hmm. some online mm -hmm. events? Have you explored that avenue? Uh, mm -hmm. Is it, you know, is, if it's positive or not? What I'm yeah. just curious. On no, your listen, I'm, I'm a big fan. I think it depends on what type what time within the company you execute this type of strategy. So I'm actually going to correct you because I do a lot of one-to-many. And the way I, the, the way I do one-to-many oh, is not nice. through ClickFunnels or through, or through, uh, <laughs> or through online events. I actually work a lot with VC funds. So um, a VC fund has That's a lot of portfolio companies that they invest in, and they usually have a lot of operating partners that may or may not have the commercial experience that I have. So by getting access to, into these funds, I sit on their bench, and what they do is sort of refer me to the companies that need help in sales for the benefit of their investment and for the benefit of the growth of quota, right? And for the benefit of the growth of the portfolio yeah. company. So in that way, you know, I've been able to grow the business very successfully, and That's about me, but I think that in general, any company should have a one-to-many strategy once they've been able to, you know, kind of define what that buyer is, because I mean, you're going to accelerate, right? And, and it, within B2B SaaS, what a lot of people will do online or through what's called channel partners. Now, let me give you an example. At Zenefits, for example, we would sell to CPAs, Certified Public Accountants. Certified public accountants usually have a portfolio or let's say a book of business of different SMB companies that they run the books for. And so if we're selling a payroll and HR system, mm -hmm. instead of going company per company, which is a lot slower process, I would go up to a CPA and say like, listen, here's what we do. Here's how we can partner. I'm going to give you a referral fee and you can distribute, you know, and help me get in front of many companies. Now, it's a little bit of a slower process when you're doing channel in that way, and I'll get to ClickFunnels in a second. But um, you have to gain the trust of that individual uh, in order for him to make you the introductions in the same way that I have to gain the trust of the VCs to put me in front of their reputation and the people that they're going to introduce me to. So that's, that's, yeah, that's a yeah. very effective way. And one of the things that I talk a lot about, which is diversifying your top of the funnel, Once you become a company that has repeatability, that has you know, proof that the product works, you have to find that one-to-many distribution sales strategy in order for you to accelerate, right? Because there's going to be a point in time where like, you can yep. only hire so many salespeople and there's a particular metric per every salesperson that you hire doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get the same output as a team that you already have. So you have to start diversifying those efforts and saying like, okay, I'm going to go one-to-many through the channel. But I'm going to go one too many through webinars, through, you know, kind of live events, 
um, through going into yeah. trade shows for some companies. But again, I think I'm a huge fan of the strategy. And one of the things I wanted to also mention is that it has to be specific to the company. What I'm saying and all the things that I'm particularly yeah. sharing and why I've been successful with Quota is because our, our playbooks are tailored. They're bespoke. I'm not just repeating yeah. playbooks for every single company because that doesn't work, right? So I think that all the companies need to take yeah. that time to get through the introspection moment to figure out like what is right for my distribution strategy at what point in my company's growth cycle mm -hmm. and implement that. But I'm a huge fan of what you just mentioned. Dude, that was awesome. You, Thank you. blew it out of the park. Um, dude, yeah, like it was so good that my brother had to just like, he just, you know, out of the excitement, he just went out running. He's like, what is going on? Uh, I, I, I was listening. I just had to plug in the laptop. Oh. Dude, but, dude, like, I, yeah, I, I imagine that would, imagine it would have shut down in the middle of that, that golden boulder right there. Just like a golden nugget, just way bigger. Now, <laughs> dude. Javi, I, and I love what you mentioned, and we actually have covered part of it, but not mm -hmm. in the same way here in the podcast before, and we're going to have to mm -hmm. do an episode on that later on. But, you know, most people, you know, they do great marketing, of course, like ClickFunnels and, and a lot of the community in there, and they sell through webinars and whatnot. But I love the fact that you mentioned I do, you know, mm -hmm. sell one to many on the aspect that you have these strategic partnerships that have access to many of your clients, right? And we've talked about to the networks that have a whole bunch of podcasts mm -hmm. and specifically that are mostly business podcasts, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, how can we go and develop a partnership with this? I people? mean, one, one uh, and as, as we close, I promise I, I'm going to shut his mic out. So that's, <laughs> that's it. But listen, uh, man, one of our, one... <laughs> I, I listen, I do this for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So you're not bothering me. You're probably boring the audience that's been listening to us for the last no, this is so how many over minutes. No, at, the, at this sure. point, they just ran out of pages and taking yeah, notes. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, to illustrate this, right, because a lot of people here that send questions either online or in the community, right, they're like publishing, right? And mm -hmm. uh, I wrote here, you know, circling back to pipeline platforms and direct selling. You you mm -hmm. made it clear, so clear, right? This the, the process that we do that we call pipeline platform, right? Is direct selling mixed with long-term content game at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I remember having this guy, uh, Tony, Tony Cajano. Remember Tony? Montana? The first for Cajano, Cajano. Uh, Tony Montana from Scarface. <laughs> you wish. didn't laugh, man. You know that movie. Come on. No, I don't you know, know that, that movie. movie. <laughs> Bro, you're talking to two Venezuelans. Uh, you know, I know, I know. Right? He's so seriously disappointed right now. <laughs> I know, it's okay. I'm hey, long enough. Yeah. Right. <laughs> static in the, in the waves. But anyways, Tony came to us, and I remember, uh, with 45 Live, and he was trying to do these Facebook lives, you know, mm -hmm. explain the product that he had and he had an accessibility product for, mm -hmm. for websites, right. And for funnels. And he mm -hmm. was in the click funnels community because he was trying to sell every single funnel builder into his, pro into his product. And mm -hmm. it was not a high ticket product. Mm -hmm. So I remember he coming in and in one of the Q and a sessions and he's like, man, like how can we through content, how can we, how can I be in front of more eyes? Right. Mm -hmm. And we have this concept of the two audiences, right. The mm -hmm. audience that listens to you, Mm -hmm. And then the one person that's in your content with you, mm -hmm. right? you're building mm -hmm. that immediate authority and mm -hmm. trust. And I'm like, okay, Tony, well, you have a podcast. We've been on your podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, let's realign to like, who are you talking to? Instead of yeah. one funnel builder, can you bring a website agency on it? Right. Who, wh mm -hmm. Who's your product for? 
And then mm-hmm. he started telling us that, you know, if if a website does it, like they get a tax deduction, I get a mm-hmm. tax deduction, the client gets a tax deduction. So immediately mm-hmm. by putting that product in there, everybody gets like a 5K uh, tax benefit. I'm like, that's huge. So the next guest that he had was a website agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had uh, over 100 websites in their portfolio. Mm-hmm. To each one of them, they could sell this. Mm-hmm. And Tony pitched it right after the conversation. He's like, hey, man, I don't know if this is for you, but this is what we do. Mm-hmm. And immediately got an opportunity call to move the thing to the next stage. And he ended up selling to multiple websites, right, from one conversation. So, again, it can be done. Yep. And I just yep. wanted to illustrate it in that case a scenario because a lot of people that are in our world use podcast. And yep. that's that's a massive value yep. of a small audience podcast initially. But eventually you will build up to do the, yeah. all the other things. Right? Yeah. I have to mention something because if not, I wouldn't be doing my job and sorry to keep this running. But no, one, of the, one, one of the most important things that you just mentioned is understanding your, you, you call it high ticket. I call it average contract value, right? So there are different distribution strategies depending on the size of your deal. Mm-hmm. So let me explain. If there is a company that is making a purchasing decision for $500, they probably can do that online. Right. Um, and, and maybe let's let's make that number smaller. Let's say 150 bucks. They don't have to talk to someone. So there's a particular distribution strategy and marketing strategy for that where you can, you know, put the right ads and make sure it gets in front of the right people through the right channels and people can make a decision to buy that. Right. Now, when you are talking about high ticket like uh, products. So, for example, I'm talking about five hundred thousand dollars, a million dollars, which is the world in which I operate. It's a different yeah. strategy. You know, because you have to get to talk to people to trust. Nobody's going to make a buying decision of half a million dollars without talking to someone, at least even with Zoom, even like in person sometimes. Right. So like I think that that's another part of the playbook where I I sort of insert that variable into the evaluation process to say like, hey, man, if you're selling something that's five hundred dollars. Also, you have to think about not just a distribution strategy, but what type of salesperson are you going to bring in if you're going to bring a salesperson? Because the economics in this day and age matter. If you're selling $500 items, let's say, you have to sell a lot of $500 items to break even, pay that person's salary, but also like make a profit for the business. Right. And, and that is a completely different podcast. So I'm not going to get into the details, but yeah, I mean, we had this guy, the guy, his business was, he will auction buildings. Right. And Mm -hmm. so he was trying to get to people that were selling businesses for him and an average transaction for him was a million dollars and above. Mm -hmm. Right. So he was the only guy and he came to us referred by another, another person that came to the show mm-hmm. and he's like, perfect. I mean, our, our, our product is we help you multiply your content. That's our service, our product, uh, our service. Right. And uh, he wanted content for LinkedIn. And I'm like, well, look at like, where are your buyers? And like, then the journey and how many times I have to see this, like, why don't we just start the platform and you bring the top 10 people that you have in your pipeline today. Mm-hmm. What's your closing percentage? And he said, well, for me, because he's the one doing the conversations, right? For him, it was 80%. Mm-hmm. That's what he told me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. sweet. Would you like to close eight of those people? Like, that's that's $8 million in your pocket. Mm-hmm. And then potentially for our service, you know, mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. reframe the pricing later on, right? You're like, that $100,000 for him versus an $8 million revenue, right? It's it's interesting. So 
I love that. That's a, a topic for another, like you said, another yeah. another it's hour a, or so. Yeah. But it's so so interesting, and I think a lot of people starting their businesses, obviously, there has so many things that to worry about, or like when they're like doing multiple things, that this becomes an afterthought. But I love that we're bringing this into awareness because it's so important as we get to grow. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna say, are you happy to ask that question? You yeah. see, you see where it took I'm, us. <laughs> the train of thought that it took us. I'm always Absolutely happy amazing. that you ask the questions, Fonzie. Uh, Javier, we have two last questions. These are official last questions. Yeah, I like to talk, last man. Questions. Okay, but um, I, I, you know, I have uh, a I'm celebrating for you, Fonzie. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. But you know, I personally have. I see all the books that you got on the back, man. Yep. And I have these bonus questions because that's I like, not the last I like, question. I like to fill people's Amazon's cart with good <laughs> books. And I'm curious, since the beginning of the conversation and I saw your background, I was like, man, what are his two favorite books? One, what is your favorite book on selling? I love reading. And then what is your overall favorite book? Man, that's a really hard question um, because I, I read a lot. Um, and, and so obviously the stack of books, I've read through everything here. Uh, but I think that how to make friends and influence people is one of my all-time favorites because it just teaches you so much about like not just selling but like human psychology yeah. that you can utilize um, yeah. to to be just a better person but like a better uh, individual. Um, and I, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's a book that I've been I have right next to me because I show it to everyone. But this book, um, which is called Founder Brand. Is a book that oh, talks Dave. about how um, Dave essentially started monetizing his audience. Uh, he started building an audience and talking about the things that he liked. And then he realized he had an idea, turned around and built a product, a company called Drift. That's a unicorn. Um, and he was able to do that because he had an audience. So as we're talking about content of profit, selling and all these different types of things, I have started to educate myself after, you know, living in the B2B SaaS specific, you know, environments of direct selling on how, um, you know, kind of content and building audiences can actually get you a lot further. So um, I think that it's very relevant for this conversation and this topic. So for anyone that, you know, kind of wants to be differentiating in their story and sharing um, is yeah. to share their own personal story and authenticity and not try to be somebody else. Right. Yeah, and and, and so that that I hope is is a good golden nugget or whatever boulder. Uh, Come on. At this point, we should know it. Right? Uh, stay it right. Stay it right. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> I, mean, I, I love it. Uh, to repeat the books, Founder Brand by David Gerhardt and then How to Make Friends and Influence People yeah. by Dale Carnegie. That's a classic. Actually, that was the first book that... Uh, my dad gave it to me when I came here to the States. That's he amazing. Me how to make friends and influence did, did people. Did you read it? I did read it. I oh, did okay. read it. How's it going? Not the, not the copy that my dad gave me. I actually, later on, you know, I left that one yeah. gathering dust. And then later on, I was like, oh, look at that. Yeah. Another book. You should call him today and say thank you. I will. I will. Yeah. So that's a great idea. Okay. Yeah. I know, I know. Uh, dude, Javier, thank you, brother, so much. Where will you be if you never published? Ah, hmm. uh, wow, man. Um... I, I mean, I probably not have the growth and success. I wouldn't be in this podcast today. Um, I, yeah, I mean, listen, I came from an era. Uh, I, I probably had stopped at WeWork and would have had to go to, to another job. That's where I would be. Um, so in order to fulfill my dream of having my own business and, you know, building a seven, eight figure business, like I would see, still be working for someone and be miserable. Dang. 
Thank well, you. Well, I'm happy you're not miserable, bro. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you for thank you for publishing yeah. content. Yeah. I, I I really enjoy your written content. By the way, I I need to see more of your your video content. Thank you, man. But you know, based on today's conversation. Again, you're full of golden boulders, just like golden nuggets. Golden <laughs> boulders, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, dude, like, I love your energy. Thank you're you. You're doing amazing. And can't, can't wait to see more of your growth. And I'm sure that we'll be, you know, reaching out and, you know, asking, yo. Thank man, you, man. How do I get my brother to close more deals? <laughs> Boom. No. Know, all that stuff. Listen, man. I, I, you should go check out my videos. My my um, tag is Javi B2B on Twitter and Instagram. That's where most of the videos yes. are. And if you want to go check out my fractional content and everything that I do, it's at Javier Ramirez Lugo on LinkedIn. Awesome. Awesome. We'll put the links at the bottom in the description, guys. Make sure you scroll down, tap them, follow him, send him a message, connect with him. Uh, absolutely amazing. Anything else you want to add, Javi, before we head out? Dude, if I add more stuff, we're going to be here the rest of the afternoon. So, uh. <laughs> Yeah, the next one is going to be a live episode, either down in Miami yeah. or up here in Jacksonville. Yeah, um, yeah it will be awesome. Do you yeah. want to do you want to close us out with a little a little jam in there? Yep. No, <laughs> you know, we usually... God, I'm going to do something different, actually, guys. Uh, just remember, content is profit. So make sure yes, that, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! That is Randy Javi here. Help you move one step closer <laughs> to watch your goal. Please don't forget to share this episode and and leave a five-star review. Let's go. <laughs> Bye guys. <laughs>